Hey, this is Pastor John Ryan Cantu from Numa Church in Houston, Texas. Thank you for listening to the message today. I hope that it blesses you and all those that you share it with. God bless you. Amen. Anybody ready for the word of God this morning? Numbers 22 and the book of Numbers. We're going old school this morning. Pastor Maritza brought a word this morning, man. It was a, it was a word. It was a word. And uh, there was a lot in it that uh, kind of reflected the word here today. So I know that God is, he's saying something. Now, before we get into the main text, uh, I want to kind of summarize what's happening here. There is this king, king of Moab. His name is Balak. And uh, he has heard of the things that God through the nation of Israel has done. He has heard of the victories that Israel has accomplished through God. And he's heard of what Israel has done to their opposing enemies. And so he is in fear. He is in fear of what the people of Israel could do to them. You know that the enemy trembles at the mention of the name of Jesus. You know that? And when Jesus is operating in us, he's a little intimidated. He's on, he's on watch. He, he's, he's got, he's got his, his sword drawn because he's ready for an attack. He's got to be on the lookout. He's afraid. And so King of Moab, he was afraid. Verse 3 of chapter 2. That's not our main text, but I, I will read it. It says, and Moab was in great dread of the people because they were many. And they were overcome with fear of the people of Israel. So they were afraid. And so Balak, this king, he comes up with this plan. In Moab, there was this prophet. This prophet was named Balaam. And he's kind of a messed up prophet. He's he's messed up because he's not a false prophet. He's not a he's not a false prophet. He's not prophesying for the for the for the for Baal or any other false gods. He's a prophet for the Lord, but his heart is not in the right place. How many of you know that you can tell the truth in the wrong way? I, I recorded a podcast this, uh, earlier this week with our very own Michael Tucker. Um, great, great conversation. It'll be out tomorrow if you listen to my podcast. If you don't, shame. I'm just kidding. Uh, but in that conversation, we, uh, we talked a little bit about how right now in our, in our culture, you know, with these, these uh, political and, and, and cultural wars that we're seeing in our nation. There's a, there's a lot of Christians right now that are speaking up, that are speaking truth, but their delivery is all wrong. Do you notice that? You got some people doing it with a hateful heart, no compassion, no love, pride, arrogance, and, and they're delivering the truth message, but in a hurtful way, as if the truth doesn't hurt all on its own. You know, Hebrews says that the word of God is like a double-edged sword, right? Meaning that the truth, that is the power of the word of God alone, has the power to convict because that's what the truth does. It hurts. The truth hurts sometimes. But what, what we see a lot of times is we see Christians who, that's not enough. That's not enough. We want, to, we want to pierce them with the word of God, and then we want to twist that sword. So it really hurts. And we take it out, and we do it again. You know, the Bible adds this caveat when we're presenting truth. It says, but do it with gentleness and respect. So Balaam was this prophet of God. And again, he didn't speak for any other false gods like the prophets of Baal. 
He was a prophet of God, but his heart wasn't in the right place. And so King Balak finds him and, and he, he wants to reward him. The Bible says, I want to reward you handsomely. If you were to, if you go before the nation of Israel and you curse them, curse them. So Balaam goes and and this angers God because even though Balaam knows the word of God, he's still trying to find some justification to meet the demands of, of, of his king. It's as if he's acting in the name of God, but what he's doing is not from God. It's not of God. We got to know the difference of that church. We have to know the difference between doing something in the name of God and doing something that, that God actually told you to do. So God sends his angel to the Lord. I want to pick up there. 22 verses 23 through 34. And it says, And the donkey saw the angel of the Lord standing in the road with a, draw, uh, with a drawn sword in his hand. And the donkey turned aside out of the road and he went into the field. And Balaam struck the donkey to turn her into the road. Then the angel of the Lord stood in a narrow path between the vineyards with a wall on either side. And when the, don- when the donkey saw the angel of the Lord, she pushed against the wall and pressed Balaam's foot against the wall. So he struck her again. Then the angel of the Lord went ahead and stood in a narrow place where there was no way to turn either to the right or to the left. When the donkey saw the angel of the Lord, she lay down under Balaam. And Balaam's anger was kindled. And he struck the donkey with his staff. Then the Lord opened the mouth of the donkey. And she said to Balaam, what have I done to you that you have struck me these three times? And Balaam said to the donkey, as if that's a normal thing. <laughs> I'm sure there was a lot of hysteria when that first happened. But Balaam said to the donkey, because you have made me a fool. I wish I had a sword in my hand for then I would kill you. And the donkey said to Balaam, am I not your donkey on which you have ridden all your life long to this day? Is it my habit to treat you this way? And he said, no. Then the Lord opened the eyes of Balaam and he saw the angel of the Lord standing in the the way with his sword drawn in his hand. And he bowed down and fell on his face. And the angel of the Lord said to him, why have you struck your donkey three times? I have come to oppose you because your way is perverse before me. The donkey saw me and turned aside before me these three times. If she had not turned aside from me, surely just now I would have killed you and let her live. Then Balaam said to the Lord, I have sinned, for I did not know that you stood in the road against me. Now, therefore, if it is evil in your sight, I will turn back. Let's pray this morning. Heavenly Father, I pray that this word may speak this morning to your church. I pray, my God, that it may fall on fertile ground, Lord. I pray that when we leave here this morning, my God, we may leave equipped, my God, with more knowledge in your word, Father God, and, uh, and a motivation, Father God, to apply this word to our daily lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I entitled the message this morning, Cheating the System. I won't ask for a show of hands, but how many of you have in one point in your life tried to, at least try to find a way to cheat the system? Amen. Amen. We got some honesty. Amen. Amen. Whatever the system might be, you just, you you try to find a loophole. You're like, well, I mean, this is not, it's not illegal. (laughs) I can, I can, you know, find my way around it. We're always trying to find loopholes. I remember uh, my first online course when I was an undergrad. Um, 
I, I, I did, I did some classes online and this is when like online school was still fairly new. There was still some concerns among educators like, well, I mean, how are we going to modern monitor students when they're taking tests? I mean, it's very easy to, to cheat. And I remember taking my very first quiz of that online, uh, course. And, and, uh, the first question it said, is your area cleared of any notes or books that would assist you on this test? Yes or no? Um, sure. <laughs> I don't, I don't understand how they expected that to be sufficient. Like if you're going to, if you're going to cheat, you're going to cheat. That's what you're going to do. If you're a cheater, you're going to cheat. There's always a way to, to kind of cheat the system to, to make it work for you. I, I, I remember also hearing recently about this young kid, um, who recorded like a, a loop of himself, um, on, on, on zoom and he put it on zoom so that he wouldn't get marked absent. Right. So so the teacher would think that he's he's there like genius kid, like clever, but he cheated the system. And Balak was a king who was trying to do the same thing. He was trying to cheat the system. He was trying to cheat God. These Israelites, they're too confident right now. Maybe if I send the prophet from their own God to curse them, maybe they'll be cursed. And this turned into Balaam trying to cheat the system of his prophetic gift for his own personal gain. He's going down to, to try to find a way to curse a nation that he knows isn't cursed. God told him earlier, I'm not going to, I'm not going to curse what isn't cursed. They are a blessed people. So I don't know what Balaam was trying to do here. I don't know if he was like trying to do face faith. I'm sorry. In reverse, like, okay, maybe that one time they were cursed, but now Balak's offering me a little bit more money. So I'm going to go and maybe by that time they'll be cursed. We'll just see what happens. I don't know exactly the reasoning, but I know that from the text, even though, even though he says that he's committed to the truth, he doesn't really seem to be committed to God. He wants to curse Israel for his own personal benefit. You know how destructive that would have been church? You know how destructive it would have been for the people of Israel for a prophet to go and deliver a false message in the name of the true God. This is why I cannot stand. I I say this very often. I can't stand when people say God wanted me to tell you when you are not absolutely certain it was God telling you to tell it. Don't put words in my God's mouth. When you do it so, ca- I mean, when you do it so casually, you have to be careful, man. You have how many people have have been led astray from a word that you gave them that was given in the name of God? How many, for real, how many fake callings? I have seen fake callings come out of of people's lives because someone gave them a fake word. How many people think that they're cursed? When they're actually blessed. I've been in church for over 30 years. I've been prophesied to a lot of times. And, and uh, look, it's not from people who want to do harm to me. They have no one. They, they have good intentions. They're just too casual with it. You can't be look, church. We have a lot of gifted people in here. We have a lot of ministers in here. We have a lot of leaders. We have I, I'm proud of our church. You can't be too casual with the gifts that God has given you. You can't. 
If I were to come up here Sunday after Sunday and not prepare a word and just kind of just go off the cuff, you know how irresponsible that would be of me as, as, a, as a messenger of the word of God? It's so easy to make a mistake when it's you because we are flawed. But, but because people think that the Lord uses me, well, I could find a way to cheat the system. Verse 6, Balak, Balak summons the prophet. He says, come now, curse this people for me, since they are too mighty for me. Perhaps I shall be able to defeat them and drive them out of the land. For I know that whom you bless is blessed and whom you curse is cursed. You know, when we, when we say in our church, you know, we strive to be a church that is, you, you know it, moved, led, and empowered by the Holy Spirit. You know why we say the last one, empowered? Because, because without God, we have no power. We have absolutely no power. Just because you are a minister, just because you're gifted, just because you have been used by God in the past, doesn't give anybody the right to just go out and do it by ourselves. Because without the Holy Spirit, we are powerless. But the scary thing is, not everyone is going to realize this. That's why we have such a major responsibility as people of God. Not everyone will have eyes of discernment to recognize when it's actually you speaking and not God. And this can be dangerous. Balak thought he could cheat the system by going around God and have his enemies cursed when they were not cursed. This week, uh, Brother Abraham uh, and I were talking. He uh, met me here at the church and he, he treated me to lunch. If anyone wants to follow his example, you are more than welcome. And we, uh, we spoke for over an hour and uh, great conversation. He, he shared with me you know, some of his many experiences over the, the years um, in, in ministry, stories of ministers who thought what they were doing was in the name of God when everything that they were doing went contrary to the character of God. Pastors who would call things sin that the scriptures didn't even call sin. Putting shame to people with not not even offering an ounce of the grace of God. And unfortunately, church, this is far too common in the church. And it's these types of things that cause new believers or visitors to run fast and to run far. And I want to tell you this morning, just to nip it in the bud, church, if you are fairly new to the Christian faith, people in the church can be worse than the people in the world. Pastor Ryan, you're not supposed to say that stuff, Pastor Ryan. You're not supposed to say it because then people are going to get scared and they're never going to want to come back. I I would rather tell you now than for something to happen to you later as a result of someone who was pretending to speak in the name of God and were not, and it hurts you, and it never wanted, and it never made you come back to church again because that has happened. I have seen it happen. The church is not Christ, but praise God that Christ is not the church. And you didn't come to the feet of the church. You came to the feet of Jesus. You came to be restored by Jesus. It is Jesus who can cleanse your sins. The church is just the vehicle to to drive you to Jesus. That's all it is. There exists sour Christians. (laughs) And, And what's even worse is a lot of these people, man, they think that they're right. They don't see the speck in their eye. The log in their eye. They might even think that what they're doing is 
the will of God, like the apostle Paul before his conversion, he went around in the name of God, persecuting Christians, not even realizing that the person he was persecuting was a person he thought he was defending. Be careful with your words, church. Be careful with your words. Be careful with what you think is the will of God. That's actually just you maybe convincing yourself that this is God. God might be trying to open up some some eyes this morning because maybe you have said some things with the most deceptive weapon in the world, the tongue. And and maybe you said uh, some things to other people. Maybe you said some things to yourself, but the words coming out of your mouth are not the words coming out of God's mouth. I love this story because God uses a donkey to point out the obvious. It sounds like a like a silly story when you think about it, like a donkey just started talking. But I love it because it's it's there's irony in this story. The irony is that that the prophet, the one who should be receiving word from God, didn't even realize it when God was trying to give him a word through a donkey. And sometimes we are so oblivious to our wrongs. We refuse to see it because we're just so immersed with our own mission. Back to what I said earlier, you know, many Christians are, we're falling victim to this right now, today. In 2020, 2020 is the most <laughs> political year that I've, I've been a part of and a Probably all my life, everything is politicized. Everyone's mad. I read a comment because you guys know I'm the comment police, right? I read this comment from a Christian, from a Christian. I don't remember what the post was about, but the comment, all caps, said, abortion is wrong, you idiots. It's a healthy way to, to converse, right? And I just felt like just reaching in there and, and saying, bro, what you're, what you're saying, the message is true, but you just dropped your compassion. The message is true, but you just dropped your love. The message is true, but you just dropped the cross, bro. <laughs> but sometimes we don't even see our wrong when it's so obvious. Balaam is... He's riding on this donkey. I want you just to picture it, man. He's riding on this donkey on his way to deliver a message that wasn't from God. And the angel of the Lord stands in his way, but he doesn't see it. He doesn't see it. He's blinded by his own self-given assignment. He doesn't see it, but the donkey sees it. The donkey sees it, and so the donkey changes course. I ain't going that way. Balaam is like, what are you doing, Mr. Donkey? We, we got to go. Chop, chop. He beats him. A second time, he keeps on going. The donkey sees the angel of the Lord. He stops moving forward. Balaam's like, this is so ridiculous. I'm never bringing you again. Beats him again. And then a third time, and Balaam is still blinded by his own deception. See, Balaam is just like the king here. He's just like the king. The man who should be influencing the king was influenced by the king. That is why God gave us prophets in the Old Testament. To speak on the, in the name of God to kings. Kings weren't allowed to be prophets. There had to be some accountability. So, so God set up a prophet to speak the word of God to the king. But this time, the king 
in his perversion, uh, perverted the prophet. He was being pressured. He wanted to please the king. He wanted to be rewarded by the king. And because the king promised to reward him handsomely, he's got some skin in the game. He's got some self-interest at play here. And when we find ourselves, church, in these types of situations where we convince ourselves that what we're doing is right and we refuse to see our wrong, we we just keep on going. We just keep on going when God is telling us, stop, stop, stop. And God has told you before, but you're blinded by it. You're blinded by your own self-interest, by your own desire. And so God told you to get out of that relationship, but you're like, ah, God, I can win them. I can win them. I'll win them to Jesus. And God's like, stop. I'm going to win them to you. You'll see. You'll see. Stop. And we keep on going. We keep on going. We avoid the word of the Lord. We convince ourselves that, okay, God, if the problem is that you just want them saved, I'm going to get them saved. And we tell, (laughs) I've had people in the past say, Pastor, the Lord has told me that he wants me to preach on a Sunday. Right? I mean, that's that's the way to cheat the system. Pastor Ryan's not going to say no to God, right? So I'll just say, the Lord told me he he wants me to preach on a Sunday. God's like, stop. Can't even find Genesis in your Bible. (laughs) But we keep on going because we're blinded. This can go so many ways. I think God wants me to give up on my marriage. I think God wants me to quit this ministry. And we find ways to cheat the system of our spirit by injecting personal feelings and opinions and desires and anything else but the Holy Spirit. And here's the thing, we fool ourselves. We fool ourselves into thinking that something is from God when it's just us convincing ourselves that this is God. I want you to notice something here. When Balak first sends word to Balaam, this is before the main passage that we read, Balaam refuses to go because God tells Balaam not to go. Don't curse what is blessed. That's verse 12. It says, God said to Balaam, you shall not go with them. You shall not curse the people for they are blessed. And if you keep on reading, you kind of see Balaam's disappointment. Like he, you know, he, he goes back out to the, to the guys, to the messengers of, of, of the king. He's like, hey, guys, God said I can't go. <laughs> I, had this, I had this friend in elementary school, lived down the street. We would hang out like every day and I would walk to his house. This is back when in the days where walking down the street and you were a kid, it was kind of safe. And I would go and I would knock on his door and he'd open it up and I'd say, hey, Mike, his name was Michael. I'm going to ride bikes. And he'd be like, let me go ask my mom. He'd come back and like, my mom said, no, I'm punished. I always thought it was funny. He said, I'm punished instead of grounded. I thought it was a little hardcore, but he would, you could, you could tell that he was like, his, his lip was quivering a little bit. He wanted to cry and closes the door. That's how I imagine Balaam, when God said, no, God, I, I can't, I can't go with y'all. God said, no. And Balak is so determined to defeat Israel. The messengers go back and, and, and they tell the king what Balaam said. And Balak says, okay, go and offer more. Sweeten the deal. The enemy is relentless, church. 
He wants to sweeten the deal. And if he, if he can get you to promise a compromise, your own devotion to God, he doesn't care. One more time, Balak's man, they go back, they speak to Balaam and this time Balaam considers it. You know what he says? He makes it, he makes it sound spiritual too. Like many of us do sometimes. This is, this is what he says in verse 18. Balaam's answered the servants of Balak. Though Balak were to give me his house full of silver and gold, I could not go beyond the command of the Lord, my God, to do less or more. So you too, please stay here tonight that I may know what the Lord will say to me. I'm going to ask God, I'm going to ask him again. Why, why, why is he asking God a question that God just finished giving him an answer to? Because he wanted to go. He wanted the silver. He wanted the gold. You see his desire. You see the desire there to, to do the will of God, but his greater desire is, is for God to change his will to do the will of Balaam. And we do this sometimes, church. You say things like, Lord, do your will. But your heart says, Lord, change your will to my will. Do you not think that, that God will not give you over to your own desires like he does so many times throughout scripture. He absolutely will because God desires a genuine heart. It's not just your words. It's not just your fancy, eloquent prayer that sounds very spiritual, that, that fools everyone else. It doesn't, God looks at the heart. And so God saw the heart of Balaam and said, do what you're going to do. You found a way to cheat the system. If we read the, the next several chapters, and I encourage you to do that, uh, verse, uh, chapters 22 through 25, what we see here is the prophet refuses to speak anything that God has not spoken because he knows, he knows at, at the very least, he knows how dangerous that is. Every time Balak says, Balaam, I want you to curse the Israelites. Balaam, he tries he sets up the, 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 the altar, and then he comes back and says, God said that they're blessed. I mean, I, I don't know what you want me to do. He sounds so spiritual, so righteous. But instead of cursing Israel because he had no authority to do it, he found a way to cheat the system. Revelations talks about this, and I'm, I'm, I'm getting ready to close. But in Revelation chapter 2, Jesus is talking about the, the seven churches and he says, I have this against you. And, and this is what he says to the church in, in Pergamum. Now you have some, you have some uh, context when you read that passage. I want you to read it with me. Revelation 2, 13 through 14. This is to the church in Pergamum. It says, I know where you dwell, where Satan's throne is. Yet you hold fast my name and you did not deny my faith. Even in the days of Antipas, my faithful witness who was killed among you where Satan dwells. But I have a few things against you. You have some there who hold to the teaching of Balaam, who taught Balak to be a stumbling block before the sons of Israel so that they might eat food, sacrifice to the idols and practice sexual immorality. In chapter 25 of Numbers, you'll see that the Israelites, they begin to turn away from God as a result of the Moabites prostituting themselves to the Israelites. There is some 
way in there that, that Balaam says, okay, maybe we can't curse them because they're not officially cursed, but maybe we can find a way to get them to stumble. Maybe we can cheat the system. And church, I am calling upon us this morning to listen diligently to what God has said, what God has spoken over your life. I'm calling on on the church to, to not try to change the will of God for our own personal benefit. Not to try to find a way around something that God has clearly given you an answer to. Don't try to speak something that God didn't tell you to say. Speak the truth. But don't just speak the truth. Speak it in a way that reflects a godly character. God is looking at our hearts this morning, church. God is looking at our intent. The true intentions of the heart will always be revealed. There is, there's, there's no way to cheat the system. The church has the power. Do you believe that, church? Do, do you believe that we have been given power by the Holy Spirit? We have been empowered by the Holy Spirit? We really have. That is how the early church grew. It is, it's how it flourished. It's how it persevered when there was persecution. It kept going. The church has the power to change the world, but only when God is working in it and through it and never on the side of it. Maybe you have convinced yourself of some some things that that were only things that you, you spoke to yourself. God never spoke it to you. God never said it. God never discredited you. Maybe you've said or acted in ways that you thought were from God, but God never blessed it. I want us to stand this morning and I want us, I want us to say a prayer. because we know the truth. We know that you are the truth, Lord. There's so many things, my God, so many times we, we convince ourselves, Father, that we are acting on your behalf, that we are speaking on your behalf, my God. I don't want to think. I don't want to think it, my God. I want to know it. I want it to be you every time words come out of my mouth. Anytime I type something up, anytime my anger is kindled, And anytime I feel like responding and reacting, I pray, Lord, that Holy Spirit, it be you, God. It be you, God. In this divisive world that we're in, my God. In this evil generation that we're in, my God. Use me, my God, to the max. Come on, can you just pray that over your life? God, search me. Search my heart, God. Search my heart. Search the depths of it, my God. Find the things that I don't even realize are there, my God. Look at the crevices, my God, that I can't even reach to, Lord. And purify me. Purify me. Cleanse me, my God. 
Come on, church, this morning, come on. Come on. Can we just pray? Can we just speak it out to God right now? Can we just lift up our voices to God so that he can hear it? Can we lift it up so that the devil can hear it? So that the devil knows, hey, I'm trying to be better. I am trying to be used by God. I am tired of being manipulated. I am tired of being deceived. I am tired of being lied to. Holy Spirit, enter me right now. Do it, God. Do it, God. Come on, church. Where are you at this morning? Come on. Thanks for listening. If you'd like some more information on Numa Church, visit us on our website at mynumachurch.org. If you enjoyed the podcast, you can subscribe or share it with your friends on social media and tag us at mynumachurch. Thanks again and God bless.